to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you, we have a very, very talented gentleman on the show today. I'm excited to have him on. He's been with some great bands. He was with The Replacements, Guns N' Roses, The Knit List Goes On, and his latest effort, Tommy Stinson's Cowboys in the Campfire, the album Wronger, comes out June 2nd, which I listened to, and I really enjoyed, and my guest is Tommy Stinson. How you doing, Tommy? Doing good, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, how did, how did Cowboys in the Campfire come about? Well, it, it kind of it happened when I moved to Philly. Um, I moved to Philly about, I don't know, 14 years ago or so. Um, my, uh, at the time, uh, girlfriend and I, we were, you know, had a little baby and we were moving closer to her family, uh, in media PA and her uncle Chip and I became really good friends, real, just kind of fast friends, as they say. And from there we started writing together. We started writing stuff, uh, right out of the gate. And I basically finished that, uh, my solo record at the time, which would have been, um, uh, one man mutiny in his basement, and um, you know he and I penned a few things, a couple things on that record, as well as uh, the Bash and Pop record that followed that. And um, you know it's kind of writing stuff. And so, in between tours and stuff, he and I would get in the band and go play shows for fun. And you know, uh, and we were vid- <laughs> funny enough, we were videotaping a lot of it because we, you know, our, our shenanigans were becoming kind of a thing. But um, we, uh, yeah, we just kept writing. And so cut to about six years ago, we were in Austin, Texas, and uh, John Doe had just moved down there. We had him play on what would be the first five songs on the record that we recorded, which would have been um, Hey Man, Karma's Bitch, um, Fall Apart Together, We Ain't, and Mr. Wrong. All those songs were done right then with him, pretty much live in the studio. And... Uh, you know, after that, we had to kind of, we just kept writing and working on stuff in between his schedule of stuff and my schedule of stuff. And, uh, yeah, finally had a record's worth of junk to put out. So there you have it. Cowboys and Campfire, wronger. Now, who were some of your influences on it? Because, you know, it has some faster, as you say, Cowboys, country songs, and some slower songs. It's a really good mix. I mean, who, did you have any influences when you guys were writing this? Not really. Our joint influences are kind of all over the place. I mean, Chip Chip's background was kind of the guitar slinger du jour uh, in Philly, you know, in the '80s, and that you know he'd he'd be he'd play with all kinds of people, blowing through town uh, in the country in the country markets and things like that. Um, around the same time, the replacements were coming through town, you know, playing all the clubs in Philly there. So. Uh, we both come from similar backgrounds, but slightly different in that he has more of the country background. I had more of the rock. So the album comes out. Now you're going to go on tour. How great is that? Because, you know, I know you do a lot of backyard shows. You do other shows. I know you're doing a backyard show in Riverton, New Jersey, which isn't too far from me. Um, how did you get into the backyard shows? Because I think the backyard show is such a cool, cool thing because people can get up close and personal and really see you at what you do great. You know, it, it comes from my lack of want to um, try and, uh, you know, predict what I want to do next year. Everyone's booking shows and clubs and stuff like a year out, you know, these days. And I just, I can't really get on, on board with that. I kind of, 
you know, if I got a new record coming out, I'm like, yeah, let's go, let's figure out what to do a month from now, you know, a month and a half from now, best. Um, just can't plan that far ahead. And, um, and I kind of prefer to do things on my own terms. I don't, you know, doing the club scene or the anything other than that, I've done all of it. And um, the intimate gigs where I can just kind of go and do my own thing uh, as I want fits me better. It's a better fit. It's a least amount of uh, uh, least amount of pain in the ass. Because <laughs> um, I like to do, I like to play shows, and I like to uh, get up in front of people, and I like to write. I just don't like the the nonsense that go that surrounds it, travel wise or you know bullshit wise. So you've been doing this a long time, a very long time. How has your writing process changed over the years? Because you started so young, so I'm sure your writing has gravitated differently, but how has it changed? Question. I don't have a real good answer for that, actually. How? Um, I don't know that it has all that much. I don't have any particular way of doing anything when it comes to writing songs. Um, and... Uh, and I don't know that it's ever changed. I think I've just kind of pick an instrument in front of me that starts, you know, start hacking on a melody and I'll start singing along, giving them whatever inspirations in my head. I mean, I don't really have a, a way of doing it per se. So it's kind of still, it's always, it's always somewhat completely fresh to me in that I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Now tell me how you got started in music. It was a very young age. And, and younger than most people. I think when you started, I was like that age, I had a paper route. I mean, you, when was the first time you, you picked up an instrument? Well, you know, I picked up, I think I was probably playing upright bass or saxophone, uh, baritone saxophone first um, in grade school. Um, that would have been right probably just about before Bob showed me how to play bass or around that time I was playing, you know, I had, I, I had, um, I think I played a little bit of baritone sax in fifth grade and then picked up the upright bass after that for a minute. And then Bob showed me how to play electric bass. Now, since I was 11, however you are when you're like 10, 11 in there. So you're 11. Now, when do you actually start playing with replacements? How old were you when you started gigging with them? When we when we 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 started with when the, probably thirteen is probably right where the replacements. That's when we the name was officially the replacements. I think about thirteen. Now, what was that like being that age in a band with older people? I mean, I know it's your older brother, but it must have been something where, as I said, thirteen, most people are in school, you know, doing whatever. I mean, what was what was it like for you? You know. It was funny. I mean, it was, you know, it gave me something to do. It kept me out of trouble. I was getting a lot of trouble up until that point. Um, you know, it was, you know, most kids get, you know, get into sports and stuff after school. I just happened to get into a rock band. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of my after school program, really. You know. So tell me, as replacements are developing, how are you developing? I mean, you're a young guy, you're, you're out at clubs, you're performing. I mean, what does that do to your psyche as, as a young teen? You know, I grew up quick. Um, 
in a lot of ways that, you know, 12 year olds, 13 year olds don't need to grow up. Um, and, uh, you know, because my mom worked a lot, I was left alone a lot. And I remember kind of, you know, uh, you know, rehearsing during those times and normally before my brother showed me how to play, play bass and stuff, um, with my mom working all the time, I got in a lot of trouble doing stuff on my own. So having, having Bob there and, you know, um, being in a, you know, being in a band, basically, it kept me from those things. So it's actually, you know, it just gave me, it gave me an outlet, you know, to, you know, for some of that, you know, my youthful energy and all that stuff, you know, and it was, you know, it was different. It was weird, you know, other kids are playing sports and here I am smoking pot, playing bass with my brother, you know. So you guys had some crazy escapades on the road. Where did that come from? I mean, for just, just because of boredom or just because you could do it or where does that, where did that come from? I, I think we were all, you know, total malcontents. I mean, socially, you know, um, oddballs and stuff like that. So I think, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people that made that, you know, that start rock and roll bands and stuff like that. A lot of them come from the same kind of thing. They are kind of socially awkward or, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, stunted in some ways or, you know, not, uh, you know, uh, not able to deal with society on society's terms in a way, I suppose. But um, I think we all kind of had that a bit. Now, as the band starts getting bigger, what does that do for you? Does that give you confidence? Does that sit there and make you feel more of a success? Or are you still feeling, you know, young and a little bit malcontent? You know, a little bit of all of that. I mean, you know, when you grow up a certain way and, you you know, we evolved. I think all of us evolved in a certain way. And we got to a point where, you know, we'd evolved together as much as we could towards the end and needed to kind of bust out and do our own thing. It was pretty apparent that Paul wanted to do that um, before we even made um, All Shook Down. So we knew going into that record that that was going to pretty much be the, probably the last record and, and that um, we were all going to kind of bust out and do our own things after that. And I think, uh, you know, going from a group setting to a sort of a solo setting, I think I think we all probably felt the pangs of that one, but in a good way, in some, some ways bad, but, you know, um, overall, I mean, you kind of grow up quick and you kind of, oh, okay, so it's, you know, it's a different scenario here with, you know, when you're running the show by yourself as opposed to, you know, four guys kind of working at the same thing and people around you and all that kind of stuff. You know? What was it like when you would write with Paul? I mean, because, you know, did you guys both have a lot of input or what was that? Was it a give and take? You know, we kind of slammed things out. We didn't really, you know, sit and get to, uh, to, um, you know, we would, we'd play things until we felt like sounded right. We didn't really, there was not a lot of verbalizing at a whole much except to, you know, uh, try this or try that. I mean, you know, we kind of went by feeling a lot of it, you know. Now, <clears throat> eventually you end up with Guns N' Roses. How did that come about? Well, kind of by accident, really. I meant to go out and just kind of audition and, and you know, play drums with my buddy uh, Josh Freeze. 
and then I ended up auditioning and they ended up hiring me and it just kind of all happened in a funny, quick kind of way, you know, uh, kind of ran by the seat of my pants on that one. <laughs> now, all of a sudden now you're doing, you know, huge, there's huge stadiums. I mean, what is that like for a performer? Because Guns N' Roses is nationally, I mean, international stars. Is that grueling? Because every night, you know, you have to get on stage. I mean, it's it's more than probably just being the life of a rock star. There's probably a lot of work involved. Yeah, I mean, for the three-hour set that we have fun playing and that everyone sees us having fun playing, there is another, you know, 18 you know, hours of the day that are, you know, a lot of work, a lot of traveling, a lot of, uh, you know, sitting around airports or hotel rooms, uh, wondering what to do with yourself. Um, it's a hard gig. Uh, you know, uh, not as glamorous as everyone seems to think it is by the way it looks on the outside, you know, um, uh, hence, hence with my new, my new life here, I like to kind of travel a lot lighter than that and a lot simpler. Like, you know, I went from that, done all that stuff, all those different things. And so now I like to travel. I don't like to be in a car more than a couple, three hours at a time, you know, but that's manageable for me. Um, would I ever go back to that? Probably not. I probably wouldn't go back to, you know, 22 hour flight to Australia regularly, that kind of stuff, or, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's a beating, but as I say that, you know, what I'm, the way I do things now doesn't require a lot of that. I, I can kind of, I get to call it on my own, and um, that's why I'm doing it. I mean, I at my age, I've been able to do a lot of different things. <laughs> I don't know that I want to do a lot of those things ever again, um, you know. Uh, so, you know, here we go. Got a new record, and I do it my own way, and see what a few people think you know tell me you know you've been around for a long time tell me a few good replacement stories and a few good soul asylum stories because i love hearing stories from people that it's happened to yeah i you know i'm kind of out of anecdotes about the mats at the moment but um you'd have to ask me something more poignant than that so i could wrap my head around what you're getting at um what was the party life like i mean you know for you know, everyone says the rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, what was the rock and roll lifestyle to you? And when did you start saying this is too much for me? Well, when did I start saying it was too much for me? You know, I never really did say it was too much for me. And so I just told you that now. I mean, I, looking back on stuff, I mean, I've gone through, I've weathered a lot of the different things, you know, um, from growing up in that, you know, all those different groups and stuff like that. Um, you know, you just get kind of burnt out from all that. You get to a point where it's like, nah, I want to do it simpler. I still love writing songs. I still like playing in front of people. I don't like traveling a whole lot anymore, but it's part of the kind of part of the thing you got to do if you want to get out and promote yourself and, you know, put out records and stuff like that. So I kind of manage it the best I can without getting bogged down with it all and without killing myself um don't like to play too many shows in, in a in a particular month um got to have the kind of good balance still working on the balance thing but uh, but yeah trying to simplify things if you will now what what will your shows be like with cowboys in the campfire and these upcoming tours will you play just the whole new album or what will your set list be like 
The set will have a little bit of everything that I've done solo, you know, after the replacements. I don't play replacement songs. I don't play Guns songs. I don't play solo asylum songs. I play stuff off my solo records or bash and bop records or the whole Cowboys and Campfire record pretty much. Um, you know, maybe a cover or two in there. You never know. Never know exactly what's going to happen with that. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, it's a little, little bit of a grab bag of all the stuff I've worked on over the years. All right, man. Well, you know, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, your website is TommyStinson.com. People check them out. Yeah. Go to my website, CooperTalk.net. You can find over 950 episodes. Email me at CooperTalk.net. And I'm Steve Cooper, who's only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.